CalmeGo is a handheld device that uses these three proven methods, relaxing sense, multi-sensory stimulation, and breathing regulation to help you cope with the symptoms of stress and anxiety. This summer, we had a big military move, and I'm grateful I found CalmeGo to help me manage some of my anxiety symptoms during this move. While using CalmeGo daily, I noticed I felt more grounded and was able to handle the stress of moving easier. I was also happy that CalmeGo adjusted to my personal breathing pattern and has a vibration option to let me know when I'm done exhaling. I plan to use my CalmeGo daily to maintain progress toward managing my stress and anxiety. If you're interested in using CalmeGo, visit their website, calmego.com, and use a Lucero MFT at checkout for $30 off your CalmeGo device. It's tea time on the good, the bad, the family. I'm joined by some of my friends and coworkers who are all professionals in the mental health world. We're discussing how TikTok and Instagram therapy can be dangerous, but also beneficial. And how as mental health professionals, we're charged with some heavy ethical obligations when it comes to social media and sharing content. I'm Annalise Lucero, and this is The Good, The Bad, The Family. I am really excited to be joined today for a special episode of Tea Time with some of my coworkers and friends and soulmates, I might go as far to say. Um, so let's just go one by one and introduce ourselves. Well, I, everyone knows me. I'm the host of the podcast, but um, I'll start by sharing the tea I have. So share your name, kind of what maybe you do in the practice. So people get an idea of like what your specialty is in the practice. And then, um, because I think that's relevant. So then that way people know like your voices and kind of where it's coming from and then share the tea you have, if I didn't already say that. So, um, I'm Annalise and I do couples and families. I like the family system together if I can, but I didn't pour my tea yet. Cause I wanted to show you guys, I have these little sugar cubes that have lavender in them. Oh, that's so cute. And I have a green tea Earl Grey in my pot and I'm pouring it over for a very satisfying cup of tea. So that is my tea today. Um, and why don't you go next since you're in my top screen? Okay. Uh, I'm Angela and I am the clinical director and clinical supervisor at the practice. And I specialize in couples and intimacy sex related issues. And um, I did not understand the assignment. And so I'm drinking coffee with my favorite hazelnut almond milk. I my- love that you brought coffee to tea time. <laughs> I did understand perfect. the assignment. I just don't often drink a lot of tea. <laughs> it's perfect. Be you. I love it. Okay, Chris. Okay, I'm Kristen and... My specialty at the practice, I guess, um, I feel like that's kind of developing now. And I would say that it's probably more trauma treatment related. And now with this EMDR training that I'm doing, feels like more like a specialty. Mm-hmm. So, and this weekend is my third anniversary with this practice. Three years this weekend. Yeah, kind of funny. Um, but yeah. Oh, and then I, I am similar to Angela. I am drinking coffee this morning. 
Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I think this is the life of a therapist, right? We're either drinking tea or coffee, <laughs> right? Or some kind of carbonated beverage, yeah. non-alcoholic, right? Um, of course. Uh, okay, so why don't you go ahead? Uh, good morning. My name is Celia Beatty. I 100% of this understand the assignment and I am in my local Sam's Club um, <laughs> with no tea or coffee because um, that's how I roll. <laughs> and my specialty, I am a couples therapist, family. Um, I like to also work with individuals when the relationship seems to go its natural ways, whatever that may look like. I have been with Albuquerque Family Counseling, oh geez, two and a half years now? Just about. And then I also am the onboarding coordinator. So that is what I do. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. I love that we have like four completely different personalities and voices, but we all seem to kind of mesh and flow and challenge and inspire and push each other. And so I'm excited for this tea time because it's kind of going to be centered around what seems to be on like the tip of our tongue in so many of our supervisions and our hangouts and our group chats, social media and like how it's influencing us. And I'm just like constantly having this in the back of my head as I'm scrolling through like TikTok or Instagram. Every time I see something, I'm really tuning into like how I feel about mm-hmm. it since we've started talking about it. And I'm like kind of getting grumpy about it. I don't know. That's like, yes. Like I'm feeling so agitated by how much garbage there is out there that I just like kind of subscribe to, I guess. Right. Like I just kind of fell in with the, with the rest of the crowd and was like, yeah, this is great content. This is great. It's not always great content, but I'm kind of curious just to sort of open up the, the floor for you know, what, what are you guys thinking this morning as we've already been talking about it? And then here we are in this kind of more formalized setting, like sharing our thoughts. What's coming to mind for you? Um, I think for me, I have, you know, like you said, we've been talking about this for quite a while. This isn't a new topic. And so maybe it's just because I needed a break, but my grumpiness like you're talking about has, has waned in that I'm enjoying the funny ways that Insta therapy is out there. So like the, like the, the, uh, the funny memes or the funny ways that people are. So like I sent, I sent a, a clip to you guys, the, the group chat of like somebody doing therapist impersonations or, or celebrity impersonations of therapists. And I was like, Oh, that's funny because those are stupid questions that we ask. Like, how did that make you feel? But in a funny way or whatever. Um, or yeah, the the funny memes about yawning in session and then a client thinks that they're boring or whatever. And so like, I don't know, maybe I needed the relief from being grumpy about it and being frustrated about it and being overwhelmed by it. But I am thankful that I'm seeing a silver lining as far as like using social media to bring some humor to a really tough career. Mm, for sure. What about you, Chris? What are you thinking? 
Well, I love that. I love what Angela just said, because there, there is a lot of funny content out there and sometimes you scroll through and it just, yeah, you just is a relief or pre from like the rest of the day to just be able to laugh at some of the oddities of our job and interacting with clients and all those things. So I do appreciate that aspect. Um, kind of going off of what we talked about the other day when we were able to meet and kind of bring up this conversation. And I was thinking about it later on and it feels like, so when a client comes into our office, whatever they're going through is clinically significant enough to seek therapy. But when you are on a social media platform, it's almost as if we are seeking out them or like, you know, we're, it's almost like we're in their space or we're in this public space and we're sharing this information. And then it's much easier for people to be like, oh yeah, that's, that's me. Or is maybe start to question themselves of, of maybe they didn't realize that they or feel ever like they had anxiety, but now that they're having this information presented to them. They attach themselves to that information or the diagnosis or whatever. So I guess it's just, there seems to be something about the space you're in. So when clients come to us, they're coming, they're seeking us out and we're able to share this information. And it's so different when we're in this public space and we're sharing it and then people are attaching themselves to it. I wonder if I'm making my point kind of clear because it's trying to like parse through it in my brain, but yeah. What do you guys think? Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's such an interesting like way to think about it because, you know, we talk about space and during COVID being virtual brought up the concept of like the space in therapy and how your therapist session would be in a room that kind of represented the therapist's personality. And then you, you'd, you know, either feel comfortable or uncomfortable. And it just, it was all part of the therapeutic relationship and process. And then you went to COVID and having people like do therapy in their car or in their house. And suddenly that boundary of like this space that was the therapist space is suddenly now like not the same thing. And so I think it is the timing of it too, with um, doing online therapy, like virtual sessions, and then having all of this therapy content on your phone in like your pocket, literally. But it also makes me think, Chris, like how, the algorithm can impact what you're viewing versus searching, right? Like if I'm on Instagram and I go couples therapist, what different content am I going to get if I'm just scrolling and a, a therapist shows up versus if I'm searching out, Ooh, I like this person's profile or, Ooh, I like this. It's almost like there's like these levels of it's being kind of forced on you by the algorithm. You're searching for it in the content on like social media platforms or you're literally on psychology today looking for a therapist. Like these are the steps of how therapy content can reach you or you can reach it. And I think that's mm -hmm. such an interesting thing to be mindful of in as people and as therapists, like how are we engaging with that? That's just so interesting because I've never thought about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a really good point. Kristen. But it, seem, it seems like crucial to understanding how social media therapy or like, you know, I, we need a name for it. They're like therapy influencers. 
which I guess I would fall under that category because I certainly like post content and have, you know, I'm trying to get this like following base of people. So they'll listen to my podcasts and subscribe to my content. But yeah, I mean, then. Okay. So tell me about some of the things that you've seen online that just have either you felt like, yeah, this is what I want more of, or, oh my God, like had kind of strong reactions to positive or negative. I guess probably the the most recent one, Annalise was the one that you shared with us maybe a month ago or, or so of the, um, the, the woman talking about divorce right? Like, yes. Something to the effect of if your partner, if you do this and then your partner does that, then divorce, then done that elicited such a strong reaction in me of that frustration that we've talked about of, um, the simple, the simple fix, the simple advice giving, which is again, like (laughs) I can tangent on that. That is not our role. We are not we are not advice givers. Mm-hmm. That's probably the number one misconception mm-hmm. be in general. And then along the lines of our conversation right now, as far as being the influencers is that there's a lot of advice giving, do this, do this, even in really helpful ways, like engage in your day. That's giving somebody advice to engage in their day or to whatever. <laughs> it's like good mm-hmm. stuff. But it's still telling somebody what to do as opposed to telling somebody to think. Right. Like how would engaging in your day help you reach your goals? Like it's almost like that's what we learn in school is how to be really thoughtful and intentional in our question asking. And then when we're on like social media, how are we translating it into a more of a conversation? Because it's not a conversation. It's just like one way. But I think that that example, it's still like, gets under my skin whenever I see any other posts. Like I'm always like, I don't know about that because it's just so harsh. And when we all took the, um, the, I don't know, I'm like losing. I haven't had a brain fart. Cause I was thinking of five different things at the same time <laughs> when we were at the workshop at, in DC and I, I can't remember who it was, but they were talking about divorce and how maybe it wasn't even that, maybe it was a podcast, but like divorce is not always a good option, like financially, uh, for your kids, what, like so many different reasons why divorce isn't a good or leaving your partner isn't a good option. Not just because they are not meeting the relationship goals or expectations. And so I think like that to me, it just is so dangerous when you get in people's relationships like that and start, telling them or making them think that it's black and white because relationships are never black and white. And, um, I find that a lot of Instagram therapy, TikTok therapy is black and white. Mm -hmm. If you have this symptom, then you are ADHD or you're autistic. I'm not saying people aren't, I'm just saying that they make it seem so simple and black and white. Like those symptoms could be related to a bunch of other things too. Ultimately, you just have to be assessed and have a relationship with a professional for them to really understand what you're going through. So I think that's I think a really that... good point. I think it's, I'm sorry to jump in, um, I'll, but I think it's 
exactly your point on how you described it, both you and Ange, of it being oversimplistic in nature, right? Because of the audience that they're trying to capture, of who they're trying to reach out to. Like you have, what, in theory, 30 second, a minute reel or whatever video it may be to get as much information as possible. But also on the other side of that too, of at least for us, when we have our clients inside of our office, there's autonomy, there's able to kind of unpack things. There's not a lot of unpacking when we give 30 seconds to a minute worth of information over simplistic things. And we're like, good luck and see how it works out. You know, I think that it's, it's both, yes, the accessibility for information is wonderful, but at the same time too, of what's the following step after you're done watching the reel? What's the, what's the, the next step after, after you get this information of whom do you go to? to be able to process it out, um, to be able to explore it or unpack it. Mm -hmm. So have you all ever experienced a client coming in and wanting to like unpack and process what they saw? And like, what was that experience like for you as the therapist, having someone bring in content? This happens pretty frequently, especially with probably the maybe a little bit younger demographic or, you know, um, yeah, TikTok and Instagram has definitely become part of therapy for many of my clients. And it is part of what they are doing outside of session to continue like educating themselves or giving themselves, um, other resources, but, um, it's gone pretty well when I can check my own biases or like (laughs) that first initial reaction that comes up first. And then it's like, okay, well, what did you really uh, grasp onto about this content or what was really standing out to you? Um, There's information there if you can get to it with a client. Um, I'm also kind of feeling like, you know, that so many people have this decision fatigue and, or this deep kind of thought fatigue. And, and we even see clients come in and they want us to give them advice. They want us to tell them what to do. Right. And so absolutely, if Instagram or TikTok is able to like give them that without them even having to ask for it, then that feels really good. Right. And so I think a lot of people don't even see it as a problem of, I need to be thinking deeper about this, or I need to be bringing in to my therapist to unpack it further, that sort of thing. Oof, I like that. Yeah. Well, and Kristen, I feel like that brings up like the next thing, right? Of the catch 22 of giving advice or of the simple solution, because let's say that they do take somebody's, oh, just leave them or just whatever. And then they end their relationship. And then, so they've, they, they've done something to move, make movement. Mm. And then they're back in our office a month later and they're like second guessing and, and regretting or um, overanalyzing and, <laughs> and that hindsight and the anxiety that's now provoking from doing something that maybe didn't feel authentic. So now whatever the first problem was is now compounded, 
you know, tenfold because they took a simple solution and now they don't trust themselves because they listen to somebody mm-hmm. on, or what, you know what I mean? Like it can just, it can snowball, which again, it's like, that's, that's why it's frustrating for us, but also, um, okay. But again, there's movement or there was, there was, you made a choice. Did you want to make that choice or did you feel like you had to because some influencer um, influenced you? (laughs) Yeah, I think that that's such a that's such an important part of it, though, is what you're saying these questions after. That's why the relationship with the the change, the relationship with how you're changing or processing what you're experiencing is important, because if you're with a therapist and you're you know, talking about it or you're not with a therapist, but you're journaling or processing with yourself, right? Like Mm -hmm. these are skills that people do, especially after like going to therapy, right? Oh, I can kind of process and critically think and understand myself better. But is that what people are doing and whether it's working out for them or not? Because let's say you do leave your husband or wife and you're like, that was the best decision I ever made. And then suddenly, do you have like a sense of agency or are you relying on the influence of professionals or other people or like, that's even a part of our job. You know, we can see, oh, maybe having an affair isn't good for your family, but I'm not going to say that because that's my own judgment. My own bias is our job to help our clients understand their decisions and what they're doing. And is it helping them meet their goals? Is it aligning with their values? Is it what they want? Helping them decide, not, oh, do this and hope for a good outcome. And when it is good, then you need to be told what to do again for it to be good again. That's not how it works. So yeah, I think that there is a lot of risk in just taking what somebody puts out there and saying, yeah, this is this fits me. But why do we do that? I mean, I do it. I, I fall into that all the time where I sent you all a, a video a couple, like a week ago where it was, oh, you know, if you if you do this or this, you were neglected as a kid or something, I don't know, something crazy like that. It's like, was I really neglected as a kid? I mean, I was like middle child, but like not that severe. There's so <laughs> many layers. There's so many layers to why I am the way I am. So why do we do that though? Why do we just like latch on? What do you guys think? when we talked about you know beforehand of it being what is the intention what is it the unmet need if we kind of unpacked it a little bit further or at least when we talked about it previously of okay am I am I needing a sense of belonging am I needing a sense of connection am I needing a sense of understanding to be validated to be seen and right now the world is heavy Um, responsibility is heavy. You know, there's so much in the world right now that, and then us being human beings, we're creatures of meaning seeking, right? Everything that we, we do usually feels like, what's the meaning behind it? What am I needing? And then, so that's, that's what comes to my mind when thinking about why do we do what we do? It also comes back to being human and deciding, okay, I'm in this space where maybe I was lonely. I'm in this space where I felt Uh, misunderstood. I'm in this space where, you know, I want to feel like I'm not alone, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And to kind of sit there with it, like, okay, if I'm, if I'm connecting with whatever this may be, whether it be a meme, a podcast, um, information, what is it that it's filling and what is it that it's, it's meeting? Hmm. 
But you're talking about a skill that I don't know if people have or, or are aware of. Like you're talking about critical thinking. I think that's what I'm hearing you say. Like what mm-hmm. value is this real or TikTok or podcast adding to my life? And I, I'm when I hear you say it like that, I'm like, gosh, well, social media therapy isn't that bad. This is actually really good because people feel like they belong. They get into communities. They they feel supported and understood and seen. That's so important for mental health. But then you're. But then I hear you say like all these questions, and I'm like, are people asking themselves those questions about what they're watching, or are they just watching? Going, yeah, I feel like I, I, I. This happens to me all the time. I'm scrolling on TikTok. It's like midnight because I'm not sleeping. I'm my mind's racing. I want a distraction. Mm-hmm. I'm like 10 seconds. Ha ha ha. And then the next 10 seconds, sobbing, crying. And then the next 10 seconds. Yeah. That's so it's like, what is, what is happening to me? So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. Cell sounds beautiful. I don't, is that what's happening for the majority of people? Well, I think that's a good question. And then it kind of feels like contradictory for me too, because I'm like, well, then are we, are we labeling it? Right. And then are we in this space? And here I go on the spiral train because I'm real good at the spiral train. Right. Mm -hmm. And exactly your point of like, okay, if we call it critical thinking skills, if we call it informed decision-making, if we call it all these things under this umbrella, then we continue this rabbit hole chase for what I'm like, oh my God. And it gets tiring again to kind of Chris's point of, uh, decision-making fatigue, right? Of being in this space of, well, is it that, I don't know. Yeah. If we ask about what is it that's being met, is that critical thinking? Is that also just awareness and self-insight and is uh, layers, layers upon layers? Mm-hmm. And is it bad and unhealthy and should people stop doing it? Because I feel like in moderation, most things are okay, right? Mm -hmm. So like if you're on TikTok for three hours, maybe you should look at that. Why are you doing that, right? But 30 minutes a day, I don't know. Is that too much? Is Does it depend on your content? And that like we keep creating these little holes that we kind of dive into and then we don't know how to get out of. So we just make another <laughs> hole this way and that way, that way. But but ultimately it's like, I wonder, is this a problem or is this a part of the process of people becoming more aware? Well, and I think even I don't I don't know about y'all. But for me too, when I have clients coming in and asking me, is this bad? Is this good? Again, of like this advice giving. And I'm like, who am I to tell you that things are good and bad? Because things are on a spectrum. And is is it good, bad, healthy, unhealthy? Like it comes back to where is your red line? And how do you create your red line? How do you create your boundaries and your walls or the lanes that you stay in that feel comfortable to you? And if we reach outside of those comfort zones, is that growth? Is that harmful? Is that like, oof, here we go again. Here we go again. Two thoughts that I'm having. First is something you said in there, Cell, was, oh, the validation piece. Obviously, that's huge. I also find it just interesting, the juxtaposition of we want to belong, we want to be seen, and nobody's ever going to understand and because I'm the most unique person and I'm the only one who's ever felt this way, right? This, this need for, for uniqueness and this need to belong. And I feel like mm-hmm. that 
that that's going to exist regardless of social media, regardless of anything. Just that, that I think that's in, that's in all of us that like I want to be the most unique person and have a space and, and, and everything. And then also, yes, the need to belong. So that was one thought. Mm-hmm. The other thought that I had is totally nerd. Um, I am reading a book about, um, it's, it's like the history of psychotherapy and, um, and again, it's all the stuff we learned in grad school, but it's, it's different. Cause it's almost with this, like, um, with this tone of like, how, how we started. And I kind of mentioned this to y'all before, like with, with like, uh, asylums and, and, um, locking people up because they're degenerates and they're harmful, mm. um, through kind of, you know, Freud and, and post-Freud and all of this stuff. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm, I'm at the war era. So like a lot of PTSD talk and a lot of how they handled soldiers, um, all of it to say, from the beginning of psychology, we have wanted to find solutions. We have mm-hmm. that that's why we exist is because somebody's in distress and we want to fix it. And I say we, I'm fucking there too. Um, and so if somebody has depression, okay, let's let's create a foundation, let's pour money into CBT. Let's pour money into psychopharmaceuticals. Let's pour money into EMDR, right? Like it, the progression of our field is because we want a solution. And the, the glorious and distressing thing is that there's not one solution to be had. At least we're in 2022 and we have yet to be like, oh, this, here you go. There's the one solution. You have anxiety, do this one thing. So again, it's beautiful and anxiety provoking for the anxiety provider, right? Well, it's that same thing. We create a hole that we can't get out of, right? Or or it's just there and we see it. And like in our field, we know the hole is there. We acknowledge the hole and we're kind of like, eh, we might get like a little into the hole, but then we'll kind of climb out of the hole and then we'll fall really far in the hole and then we'll help you out of the hole. And it's like, but you're never away from the hole. God, this freaking hole. (laughs) Right. But I also wonder, like people don't accept that. They come, they want the solution. I mean, I have had people in session be so frustrated, like, why am I not making progress? Or why, you know, and then you have to help them see like, you're making progress and look at how far we've come. And no, like progress is fixed. Progress is no more feelings that are uncomfortable. Progress is no more Mm -hmm. fighting as a couple. You know, it's, that's never going to happen. So how do we readjust our goals? So. For me, a shift has been like, especially say around anxiety, it's not anxiety treat go away. You know, you we're human beings. Anxiety is an evolutionary factor. We need it. It's important. We have to have it to keep us alive and keep us productive. And so it's about shifting into this, like, I think the language of how do we learn to tolerate 
these uncomfortable feelings? And then how do we learn to like overcome them and then continue on? Because feelings Mm -hmm. don't last forever, right? It's this tunnel, it's this wave you go through. And so how can you tolerate giving your client maybe those skills or those tools to tolerate the discomfort that comes with that and then move through it? You, you have me that. thinking about how important it is to be aware of that because, you know, we've been talking like, how do you assess what you're taking, what content you're taking in, what you're listening to, what you're watching, how is it impacting you? And you really, you bring up such an important thing that the language that people use, the word choice that people have that you're following or subscribing to is important and to pay attention to that. And to me, that's like, I'm going to make a note of that because in trying to figure out and understand how to provide better content as a creator, and then also encourage my clients and people I love and know around me, what kind of words are these people using it, you know, and how the different words that they use can have such a different impact Mm. progress versus tolerate or like, you know, um, healed, right. Versus, uh, I don't know what would be the other word, but like, that's why it's important to think about it. Mm-hmm. What does healed even mean? Everybody's face just went, when I said healed, everybody's <laughs> face was like, <laughs> because again, there's such this like, oh, if I have uh, an ear infection and I go get on amoxicillin and then my infection is healed, then I don't need the meds anymore. Mm-hmm. So like healed in this very simplistic way means done. And then we've had to adjust to use that word healed of, okay, so you've healed from this thing and you're still scarred. You're healed from this thing and you still from time to time feel achy in your joint or whatever. Right. And so it's like, so I'll use healed, but I'll use it definitely different than done and done. Mm-hmm. you're fixed <laughs> fixed <laughs> Is that... I had a client oh, oh go so ahead sorry. no go ahead go ahead I was just going to say something along the lines that we had talked about insight and awareness and I've been working with this client for like a year and a half and so we talked about I invited I invited this perspective of like hey it's not the fact that um, building the tolerance person, like you said, of saying that I'm never going to feel this way again, it's expanding. So we used imagery of like a pyramid of saying, when we first start, we have this little block that we're starting with, right? That's the window of tolerance you have. That's with your tolerance of being able to deal with everyday stressors, you know, heartbreak, whatever it may be, work stressors. And then as we continue to grow, as we continue to learn different skill sets, use, utilize different tools, you have the next layer of the pyramid. So now you have three blocks instead of one block. And so being able to invite her for that perspective of that, it's not that we just stay stagnant. And it's not to say that your growth or that you feeling uh, hurt still or rawness still is an indication of you regressing in progress or healing or whatever we want to call it. It's recognizing that the bandwidth is wider, that you have a wider bandwidth, you have wider skill sets to be able to deal with compounding stressors versus just one stressor. And so being able to kind of invite that perspective or to invite and I like to use the word invite a lot. If y'all haven't noticed, that's, that's my thing because it's, it's something for my clients of like, take what you will or apply it or if it doesn't, but the, at the end of the day, it's your choice. 
and to be able to honor that too. I love that. I think there's something that the word invite makes me think of and it's consent. Mm. And I think that's so important because when we talk about like this scrolling, how often are we consenting to receiving that message versus in a session with a professional who's inviting this conversation and creating a space where it's like, you know what, that's not for me, or I don't, you know, that doesn't align with what I'm thinking or no, that's not quite right. Right. But like, for someone who's just like kind of scrolling, they see something, maybe they don't understand what it is at first, or they're kind of like processing the concept. Are they following that person? Because a lot of the for you page or like now Instagram's more like that, where you get stuff from people you don't follow. Like, is that the, is that what you wanted to receive? Whereas with a professional, like you're saying, you're inviting that or they're invited to come into the conversation to hear that they're invited to take it or leave it, right? Like, I think there's something about consent there that's so important. Going back to the um, um, critical thinking piece, because something else that happens all of the time, I think with the social media, without consent, when it's just kind of flooding in because you're scrolling, is the idea of like some somebody using... Um, not subliminal messaging, but maybe they're giving, maybe they're making a, a real, but it's sarcastic or it's supposed to be tongue in cheek and funny, but this person took it as authentically like, oh my God, that's the truth. Instead of like, so, so that consent piece, again, it's like being able to filter it. That was, was that funny or was that imagery just really, was that person beautiful was that person hot? And so I took what they said in without even registering that it was baloney because I, <laughs> they were, you know what I mean? Like all of, yes, all mm-hmm. of the pieces. So, so yeah, the consent or the invitation to be able to say, I, I don't, I, I picked this up and I don't want it and I'm going to put it back down or I listened to this thing, but like, can I get it out of my head or now is it implanted in there? unconsciously even now because I heard that I heard this person talk about divorce and so now my whole day is tainted with this idea of there's an end possible Mm -hmm. right so now now my partner is not doing this thing and so but divorce has now been planted planted in my consciousness okay so there this there's this um thing on my feed going I imagine our feeds have some similarities but are probably different probably I'll have like some cute stuff mixed in with some real stuff, but there is this trend and it's like every five videos on my TikTok feed are women asking their partner, their boyfriend or husband or partner. Um, like I can't even remember the name of the guy because I was just so like, Oh, but it's this influencer guy podcaster. He's like the, the Joe Rogan 2.0, right? I can't even remember his name. I'm not even going to say it because it's not even worth it. But he's like the Joe Rogan 2.0. And so the girl, the girl is always asking the guy, hey, what do you think of so-and-so? And then he's off camera and he's like, Yeah, I mean, he says some stuff, you know, like women just don't understand guys, or I don't, it's all always kind of the same setup. And I'm like, and then what? Like, what is the girl's always like? walking out the door or like, no, I can't even, it's just this whole like 
playful. I think it's like fake or is it real? I don't know. But what is the intention? Like if your boyfriend or partner follows this guy or listens to this guy, they're like not worth staying with or so it's, it's again, that subliminal message in like a, like you're kind of left like hanging, like, what, what do I do? What do I do? Oh my God. What if my boyfriend or husband likes that guy? I asked Nathan at the time, like he, we were sitting in that next together and I was like, do you know who? And he's like, no, I don't know who that is. I'm like, oh good. I don't even have to deal with this. Okay. But it is like, the, you know, there's always going to be these controversies. Um, there was this like native American TikToker. I'm so bad at these names. You guys, this is like, this is the sign too. It's like a symptom, right? These things influence us, but then we don't even know where they come from. It's like, oh yeah. But this native American TikToker who, you know, I I would see his videos and, and it seemed like he had some kind of personality disorder, but I would just like keep scrolling. Well, now everyone's like, I have a message for you, man. And it's like, all of this like hate towards this person and everyone's kind of banding together and uniting together to give hate towards this person. Mm. I was like, why does this, like, how does this happen on such like a large scale? And how is it impacting our like relationships with other people in real life? I was just going to say how one thing that I identified uh, last week of how social media has changed me even even with the annoyance of like the political fights or like the heavy stuff i told somebody the other day i am now actually oversaturated with gender reveal videos or um somebody you know, summer, summer's coming to a wrap. So like oversaturated with liking people's vacation pictures, <laughs> like the stuff that I used to feel like, oh my God, you got to go swim with the dolphins. And I liked it. And I literally liked it. Not just, you know, jealousy liked it or whatever. Um, but I've recognized the, like, I'm even oversaturated with like this, the, 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 the stuff that's supposed to be joyful and, and loving. And I'm like, I'm tired of fucking celebrating everybody's everything by liking it that's just honest like hey i love that honesty i love that honesty y'all like y'all know i am the queen of do not disturb so like i am on this space of when i have peopled out when i have like phoned out and i have mediated out i will put on do not disturb for like 72 hours straight and pick up my phone for when i want to or when i don't want to or whatever it may be because exactly to your point and of seeing like it's no longer sometimes depending on the mindset that I'm in right it depends on what mindset I'm in I'm depending on what it is like I'm just like oh cool like and other times I'm just like mm, a few and all your little things like I don't care and so like, yeah it's like a filter I need a filter I need a filter for my filter CGs okay I want to do a little experiment right now because you're making me think of this so okay uh let's let's get our phone out and go to your ch- choice of social media platform okay and let's share what the content is on the first thing that we see i'm going to mute myself so you don't hear it <sighs> okay so i don't have tiktok okay um so i'm going to instagram 
I'll go to Facebook. Okay, I went to TikTok. <laughs> and the uh, first I can't expect. Oh. <laughs> what? What'd you do? Oh, no, I just said I panicked. I went to open up things, and then I just started listening to you guys, and I stopped giving what I was oh, supposed to do. Okay. No, and you're on your phone, too, so that's probably hard. You have to, like, double work. Okay, the first thing on my TikTok for you page is a lady in her kitchen, beautiful kitchen, and she's a jar of microgreens, and she's like, girl, these microgreens changed my life. Okay. And then the rest is just about how micro microgreens change your life. So, and I think that's fitting because I'm in like overalls today and I'm feeling very like earthy and garden. <laughs> Let's go garden and eat healthy. Yeah. So, Cute. All right. What, what about you guys? Do I need to go to like my for you, whatever the equivalent on Instagram is or just like on my normal feed? Uh, like what you would normally see. So okay. however you would normally So that's just do. like, like um, I don't really go to like the suggested ones very often, but the first one that came up is this meme about, um, here, I'll just see if I can show you guys. It's um, Ed Sheeran. Oh yeah. Carpool karaoke. And what's this guy? Yeah. And it says the world is falling to bits and everything is terrible, but at least I'm not in this car. Oh, <laughs> so just hating on these two for some reason. I, don't know. <laughs> I, like um, I know. I think that's, I don't know. It's kind of, kind of funny. Um, and then a kitten and then Giada De Laurentiis giving me some, something about um, a cocktail to make. So it's a wide variety mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. So on my Facebook, the first thing that came up is um, a bunch of pictures of a fitness bikini model in her bikini because I'm part of a fitness group. Um, so literally her ass. <laughs> I can show you since it will it's not her face, but like literally her ass. Oh, wow. Yep. That's a lot um, of butt cheeks. <laughs> and then somebody's wedding. Oh. Yeah, somebody's wedding pictures and then a dog. So I'm happy. Like it's paw print. He did it at Doggy Oh, Day. I saw that. So cute. That's cute. <laughs> makes me feel bad about myself. And then again, somebody's wedding and then a dog. So all in part of it, right? Is like this weird up and down dips of dopamine and then cortisol. And then like, mm. you know, it's just this constant thing. And that's why we keep going. You just keep going so that you can like get the next hit of what makes you happy or not think about the thing that's stressing you out or mm-hmm. a dog photo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then mine was, uh, it, it was literally a meme sending saying when you spend 45 minutes on the toilet looking at memes and it's like this dude standing up with a walker and I'm like, send it. That's appropriate. So that's on my Instagram feed. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that it was like tasty tasty snack meals and I'm like all right yes 
That's perfect. I Do you find that your all your platforms are very different? Like I find Facebook to be the most frustrating. Like I, I don't, there's too much of like groups and pages and, you know, businesses and that to me, it's become like the yellow pages of my life. Mm. Like if I want to get in contact with somebody and like, you know, DM them, I'm going to go to Facebook or see what business menu, you know, has, or that's Facebook is the new yellow pages. But what about like Instagram? And you, I know you don't have TikTok, Chris, but like how they're, they're kind of different to me. I don't know. They, they give like a different vibe. Mm-hmm. Depending on my mood, I, I might go to TikTok or I might go to Instagram. They definitely do. But Instagram is trying to mimic TikTok and it's, it's losing its own identity, it seems like. And it's trying to just be TikTok with the reels and with this like suggested content. And, um, and it, I don't know. I kind of miss the days when it was just like a grainy photo of your breakfast and somebody <laughs> was using like the, I don't you know, those funny like pre-programmed yeah. filters and, you know, just like the simplicity of it. And we didn't overthink everything that we posted. It mm. was just more like, this is what I'm doing today. And there wasn't this just giant pressure of making sure that you're, um, I don't know, like have this beautiful page. And if you go to mine, you can see that they're all filtered and they're all very highlight reel of my life. It's not realistic, mm-hmm. but it definitely like has evolved that way. So I can see that, but at the same time, and I know I'm part of it, but I also don't necessarily like it all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But isn't that, isn't that so important to think about is like what we're seeing isn't totally real. Mm-hmm. Like, and of course, nothing we ever see online is going to be a hundred percent real unless it's like live. Right. Or I don't know, even then it could still be like a setup, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's not real life. Real life is in the moment. And then being on social media takes us out of the moment or is the moment social media. Oh my God. I just did another hole. <laughs> that we're going to go into, (laughs) but like, yeah, I think, okay. So I I'm really curious as critical thinkers, as therapists, as people who are open to engaging in this conversation, how did you feel? I mean, Angie, you kind of talked about it a little bit, like how you felt about yours. So like, how does, how did you feel when you went on there and saw that stuff? I, I immediately, when I saw like the lady with the microgreens, I was like, I'm not eating healthy enough. And I want, I want to try microgreens. I, I got that anxious. Like I want to do microgreens, but I don't know where to find them because we just moved here. In like a second, I had those thoughts of like, I'm not doing good enough because I should be eating microgreens. And then I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to drink my tea. I'm good. I can, I can say that's not what I need to have today and I can put it away. Maybe tomorrow I might go out and buy microgreens. I don't know. <laughs> but, what, but what about for y'all? I mean, the toilet one, that's got me gagging over here. It's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I guess for me, I don't know. I have, 
like I use Facebook primarily for friends and family to get updates, right? That's basically my update platform, like primarily family members, close friends um, to kind of check and see updates with their lives. So if I want to be like stalkerish, I can check and see on what I've missed in their lives the last six months. <laughs> Instagram's more so for me of like therapist memes and animal memes. Like I love that jam. And then TikTok is more so like video fails, cute animals, um, and some food and decorating. So I guess there's sometimes like exactly what you mentioned earlier, all of like the algorithms of if I notice if I spend some too much time watching one video, it's like flooded with my feed. And then I have to like reset my algorithm. And then instantly at the same point, where I guess for yeah, of thinking about spending 45 minutes mindlessly scrolling on my phone. I'm like, I do that pretty often, mm-hmm. pretty often. Mm-hmm. And then also at the same time too of, I, and then I think I use my phone for everything. So then I think about how much I love to online shop. And that's a whole different thing, a whole mm-hmm. different thing about the accessibility of not only yes. information, but um, instant gratification. Talk about mm-hmm. dopamine fixes, right? Like, mm-hmm. hell yeah, add to cart, send it, two-day shipping, let's go. Like, mm-hmm. whole, totally different side topic, but yes, mm-hmm. long answer, longer. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was a point in time that my Instagram feed did not make me feel good at all like and it was because I was following like many many fitness pages and just seeing these women with super like I don't want to say unrealistic but maybe just I don't know these body standards or kind of low-key giving you unhealthy advice about what to eat what not to eat how to I don't know like too blanketed advice. So I don't know. There was a, a point in time there where it was like, made me feel real shitty, honestly, to get on there. And then I just went through and did this giant purge of the people I was following. And it's just like, unfollow, unfollow, and went through. And so now it's like so much just food-based stuff because I <laughs> love to cook and food and animals and see. Mm-hmm. My internet keeps cutting out every time I talk to you guys. So hopefully. Yeah, we're fine. But it gives wonderful suspense though. And I'm like, yes, and, <laughs> and, food and, food. <laughs> and what else? Tell me, tell me, Chris. I'm, I'm kind of getting the, the vibe that like y'all are more intentional about your um, social media than you know, than I am, it makes me want to be a little bit more intentional, which is interesting because I posted a a post on Instagram today about being intentional (laughs) and like the time you spend with your partner being like on purpose, right? Like with a purpose. And I think that's kind of the thing is I just get on social media, like many other people and I'm like, yeah, you know, I've got some slime people here and some whatever here, but I don't really care what I see in the moment. I'll just see it all. And I don't know, maybe I should be more intentional. Like when I want this type of content, I go to Instagram. When I want this type of content, I go to TikTok. Like that seems, I don't know. That seems like a good approach. Mm-hmm. Well, and 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 Celia and, and Kristen being able to say, um, 
what is my algorithm doing or what is my, what is my feed filled with? And I need to do a sweep or I need to do a purge or I need to do a reset. Mm -hmm. Um, again, how many times do we, um, just be like, it'll whatever, it'll get figured out. And we're back to that intention. We don't, we're not motivated to go through. Am I following somebody from high school for what, for what? I don't need yeah. to be following this person on social media anymore. It's uncomfortable or it's um, eliciting some feeling that I don't need to have because this person was in my history 25 years ago or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's again, back to like our work and and we are clients ourselves and we are therapists too. Um, being able to to ask our clients, when was the last time that you cognitively went through your social media and chose what you were intaking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good, really good. Hmm. So being like critical thinkers, being intentional, filtered, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. going through, maybe even kind just of- having some like level of skepticism about the information that you're hearing, like question it. Like it's okay to question it. Oh my gosh. But don't comment your question because you will be eaten alive. That's like my first thing when I see something and I'm just like, what? I go to the comments and I'm like, I can't be the only one who's like totally confused or like, this can't be real. And then the comments and anytime someone says something, people are like, kill them. They are slaughtering them in the comments. And I'm like, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. That's one thing that keeps me so nervous about being a content creator is the negative like feedback or just like the people who just think they can say, like think that what their opinion, they, they need to share it with you, right? Like, well, you put it out there. So I have every right to say what I want to say about it. It's like, oh, that freaks me out. Cause it's happened it, on TikTok. It happened a lot more than Instagram, but mm-hmm. oh man, people, they just come after you. But that is like sharing that information in a public sort of space, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's so interesting. Yeah. So something that's in the back of my head, which is like maybe related, but a little bit off topic is like, are we going to be in some metaverse therapy office one day, like doing therapy with our little cartoon figurines of ourselves? And we're going to be sitting across this metaverse therapy office from our client. Is you know, it's like, is that really what might happen? If I bet people are already doing that. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some VR headset that's, you know, a therapist is like reaching out to a certain population of people trying to reach them. And is that bad? But then if that becomes like the, the, okay. So this, this kind of expanding on that thought, what people are seeing on social media, reading podcasts, blogs, then it coming to their therapist and expecting us to have known that information too. So then like if someone sees, oh, someone's doing like VR therapy in the metaverse, I want to do that. And you're like, I don't offer that. Sorry. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to do that. So is that bad that we're not willing to like do that? I've had so many clients come and say, oh, I think I have adult ADHD. I don't what I like. Okay. And then or, you know, the autism thing is like, I want you to be assessed. I want you to know and have that answer. 
I don't have the answer for that. I don't know who to send you to. Like in our state, there aren't very many providers who like have the tools or assessment tools to do adult autism diagnosis. So it's like, it's so frustrating. These, this stuff is out there. And then the expectation on us to like also follow that trend or know that trend or do that trend. That can be really exhausting to me. Well, are you going to go to your podiatrist when you have that ear infection though? Right. Like (laughs) that's people don't see it that way, but that's again, part of this, like we're not advice givers and we don't know everything about every mental health, everything, everything, everything. And so, yes, person, you come to me and we've been talking for six months and I've seen you every week for six months. And I know all of the, all of your story about your relationship and your mom. And then all of a sudden you're feeling overwhelmed at work because you can't get any tests done because you might have adult ADHD. I am so sorry that we have to now pause and you have to go find somebody else. I, that sucks, bro. And that is my limitation. So like, yes, Annalise, I feel because of, I think part of person, our, our personalities, the perfectionist, the, um, I want to know, I, I hate when I know what I don't know. I'm like, Oh, I know. I don't know about this. And I hate that. Should I go read this book this weekend? So I can, (laughs) this person where they're at, um, calm down. And there's only so much (laughs) you can do. I'm not going to become an adult ADHD specialist. So that this one client next week can feel less anxiety for having to go find another provider. But it sucks. Cause yes, I want to know all of the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down to like, even what we talked about in phone groups just the other day about trusting our, our professional, you know, intuition, knowing what our, um, I don't even want to call them limits, right? Of where we're at and being able to refer, to refer out in that space. And at the same time of, I know at least with us four, right? Of the same space of the code that we follow of do not, do no harm, do no harm. So if you're coming to me and you're wanting this information, I am going to do my due diligence ethically and morally of saying, you got to go to somebody else, right? I'll refer you out. This is where it's at because it's, that's the role that we take on to and that keep. we uphold to gatekeep, whatever it may be. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, <laughs> gatekeep. It reminds me of our conversation we had about gatekeeping, about how important it is. And the, the person that commented on one of my videos, um, like how dare you gatekeep mental health information and how important it is that we as professionals do gatekeep. But what does that what does that mean to you all? Because I know what it means to me, but I'm curious what it means to you to be like a gatekeeper. Because that word has a lot of negative connotation, like in most places, right? To be a gatekeeper, you're toxic, you're whatever. So for for us as mental health professionals, licensed, trained badass babes what does that mean to be a gatekeeper i guess i'll speak that for me it means that um i want to uphold the integrity of the field and therefore i am going to make sure that 
whoever's coming through the gate as a professional um, meets the criteria as a supervisee to then continue to work, continue to be licensed, continue to be um, uh, in the public realm for the safety of now I sound super drama for the safety of humanity. And so I hold the integrity by saying, if I, if I have a, a, a supervisee who I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if you should be seeing couples because what I've heard you say in the last four case consults is that you are doing more harm because you don't know what you're talking about because you haven't done enough education for couples. So my my gate is now closing to couples and I'm going to let you just focus on individuals mm-hmm. because you, you seem to be rocking it solidly with individuals or whatever. And so now that gate is going to be closed until you get education or until you get whatever, or you tell me e couples aren't, isn't for me. And I'm like, yes, you figured that out too, whatever. So that's part of keeping the integrity of the profession and the safety of the client. Mm, I love that. I love that. The integrity of the profession and the safety of the client. And that's on a small level, like in our practice. And that's on like the larger level of the entire profession, like right. all mental health providers. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that, Ange. And it is really important that we're all keeping that in mind because. As you know, our field does draw in people that maybe don't always have the best intentions and may even be more than just lack of education or training or personality, but they actually are drawn to the field because they are seeking the power differential or they are seeking to have this space where they're not um, monitored by somebody and they can influence and if even outside of social media we're still influencers right and so there's an innate power in that and when there's power there needs to be like checks and balances Mm -hmm. because it can easily get out of control and into this harmful place and we've seen it in our field and if you look at history and so we really do have to do our job to protect that and to make sure that we're moving forward in a, in a way that isn't repeating those same mistakes or allowing these people in to the field that are seeking, I don't know, like there's some benevolence behind Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's relevant in like in the therapy room and in social media content and that like, because I feel very supported by, by you all to continue making content, even though I struggle with like, is it ethical? Is it right? Because I think we need to have providers who are ethical providers who, you know, give good treatment, healthy, safe treatment that's based in, you know, continuous learning because our field is always developing and the same with content online, because that's where people are. And I've kind of hesitated. Like I started the podcast 
three years ago. <laughs> That's crazy. Three years ago. And I didn't do social media right away. Cause I was like, eh, I don't know how to do that. Like, I don't know how to do my voice. I don't know how to like make that work in social media. And the more I do it, the more I realize, like, Oh my gosh, there's a lot of really amazing people out there. Like some people that I follow are just incredible human beings and spirits. And like, I feel like what they say and how they connect with thousands and thousands of people is amazing. And they are often in their videos acknowledging exactly what you said, Chris, like there is a power differential. TikTok Instagram therapy is oversimplified. Like I am not your therapist. And they like bring that kind of to the, the front and attention. And I feel like some more of that, maybe benevolent in session and online content creators, they are like, I am, you know, I am your friend. I am like your therapist. Like it's not, you know, it's just that like simple, um, just a little turn. It's not, it just doesn't sit right with me. So I want to be one of those creators who's more ethical and providing that good content. Um, but yeah, there are, there are a lot of, a lot of bad stuff out there. It makes a lot of bad providers and a lot of bad content creators bad. That's such a simple word, but, um, harmful. Mm -hmm. We've all experienced someone who's come from a harmful therapist into our session Mm -hmm. and shared their experience. And it's like, Oh my God, how could somebody do that? You know? And I'm not talking about, Oh, maybe they just took it the wrong way. Like I've, I've, I've certainly heard stories where I'm like, that person should be reported. (laughs) Yes. But I think, I don't, I don't know. This conversation could never end. Like we could continue and continue and continue. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I had, I had a, a, a trail thought just on that. Maybe we'll do part two another time of social media and relationships. I was thinking the exact same thing. And yes. Like wives going through their husbands, husbands going through their wives, mm-hmm. friending their friending their people from high school. Like what for, you know, what I said, mm-hmm. what I said, what you said about purging people, like my mind went to a whole thing of like, whew, so maybe another another time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Facebook has has uh, opened up a lot of um Pandora boxes in people's lives that maybe they want it open and they just didn't know how and then, or they don't want it open and they don't know how to close it. So very interesting. Mm-hmm. Then we have to bring in Snapchat into that because Snapchat is like, yeah. Well, and then, I mean, we can go into uh, Ashley Madison. We can go into the dating apps. We can go into adult friend finders. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love or maybe even on the other side of it, like, you know, the intimacy of sharing memes with your partner. And that how that's sort of like um, become sort of a love language between a lot of people. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's something. Yeah, so like there's these all these different sides of it, and kind it's of exploring that. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, so listeners, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you can get part <laughs> two. Right, I go put my little hat on. I'm trying to make this podcast work. So, yes, I think that's a great idea. We will definitely have a social media uh, part two or like continuation talking about that. Um, 
I'm really grateful that you guys joined me today. I don't know, like I had so many things I wanted to talk about. And then when you get in the moment, it just flows. And, you know, I don't remember anything else that I was going to say. So I'm just grateful that we, we had such a meaningful conversation for me. And as I continue to think about and process how social media influencers and creators impact my life, I hope to like create something more concrete to help people kind of navigate that. So I'm grateful that you joined me today. This looks fun. Yeah. Thanks, Annalise. Yeah. Loved yes. it. If you want to hear more from the good, the bad, the family, please subscribe. Or you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at MFT. Thanks for listening. licensed and trained marriage and family therapist, but this podcast is not a replacement for therapeutic advice. If you need help finding a therapist, visit psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area.